My name is Rick, the host of Real People USA. The goal of Real People USA is to showcase America's finest individuals and small business owners. We support political candidates who want that extra boost through podcast interviews to show their constituents in their communities that their campaigns care about communities before, during, and after elections. Real People USA is a pro-capitalism platform which advocates for more Americans to embrace the free enterprise system, which is the top source for our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Today's guest is Christine Quinn. She's a 2022 Florida District 14 congressional candidate. And I must, I must add, and must let listeners know, she's a candidate in my hometown, my home state of uh, Tampa, Florida. So without further delay, I want to welcome Christine Quinn to the Real People USA podcast. Hello, Christine. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you, Quinn, for having me. I really appreciate being on your show today. So this is going to be fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every Real People USA podcast is fun, but it's, but it's exceptionally fun when I get to speak with someone who is from California, who was born and raised in, in Orange County, California, and now she uh, fled or escaped, depends on how, how much you want to elevate the uh, the verb, uh, fled or escaped yes. <laughs> to my hometown, Tampa, California. Florida, Hillsborough County. Yes. Well, so I want to I want to thank you for your time today, and it's an honor and pleasure. Now, um, I have a few questions for you, and I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. My first question is, is for you is, how, is to tell our listeners about Christine Quinn, such as where are you from, and what is your past or current work experience? Well, as you said, I am born and raised in uh, Costa Mesa, California, so I am a Southern California girl kind of raised on Newport Beach and Disneyland was in its infancy at the time and that's really there are babysitter that's before the days that you had to use uh, you gave tickets I don't know if you remember that for all you young folks um we actually had a b c d e and f tickets you know and, and my my parents used to just literally drop us off at Disneyland and say we'll pick you back up now mind you we didn't have cell phones we think we, we had a dime for the phone um go use a phone booth at which you know we don't have any of those about but so we had a really fun childhood because it was innocence we uh, the school systems were excellent in fact in the 60s growing up the um, public schools were actually considered better than the catholic schools and my parents pulled us out of saint john the baptist in costa mesa california and put us into the local um, elementary, Adams Elementary. I went to Teen Winkle Junior High at Stampia High School. And, um, but then my parents got divorced in my, um, freshman year of high school and we ended up moving to Texas. And, um, my mom's from Texas. My dad is also from, um, partially from Texas. He grew up in the, Illinois and then, um, later in life in Texas and went to college and they both went to the University of Texas and, um, that's how they met. And so brilliant parents. And we always had brilliant conversations growing up in our household. It was not um, the average leave it to beaver type growing up. I have five brothers, two sisters. Uh, my dad was an engineer for Philco Ford who had the contract for NASA. And he did all medical laboratory testing for space starting in the 60s. And uh, my mom was civically involved. She started a um, 
called the charismatic movement with the Catholic Church, and she always felt that what was missing in church in the in Catholicism was the Holy Spirit. So as a young child, we learned about the Holy Spirit, praying in our home. A lot of Catholics don't read the Bible, believe it or not, not to offend any Catholics, but in the 60s, they didn't. You just went to church and the, God, the uh, priest absolved you of all your problems and you know you went on for the rest of the week. So it was kind of an interesting childhood, the hippie days, Vietnam was going on. I remember my mom getting up in like 1970 and 71 and getting in the newspaper every day looking for the draft. I had two brothers eligible for the draft at the time. Our neighbors were going to Vietnam. Of course, I'm only six, seven years old. I, I don't really know what's happening uh, in Vietnam. But as we get to be in fourth grade, fifth grade, we started talking about that in school. And I remember even writing letters to our POAs, the um, prisoners of war. Do you remember those, the POW bracelets, yes. and we would write letters? And, and so I think very young, like at 10 years old, we experienced it. So nothing different, nothing's changed in the world. We're, we, our, our kids that are the little millennials, I can never say it, uh, millennials <laughs> that are growing up today. I mean, these guys were born in the 911 era, right? And mm-hmm. then they're graduating from high school in the pandemic. But we, I grew up in the 60s when it was the Vietnam War and we had the Bay of Pigs with Kennedy and the Kennedy assassination. So I think politics has always been in our lives. Politics and religion, I always say. What are the two things they tell you not to talk about with your friends and family? Yeah, that's right. Politics okay. and religion and money. And so, and so what am I going to talk to you about? Politics that, and religion. You can't yes. remove religion from the person and we are political people. So politics and religion are always going to go hand in hand. And I will tell you this, I believe this to be true. Every single war is a religious war. Go back Mm -hmm. 2,000, 3,000 years. Every war before Christ and then after Christ have been political wars are all about um, religion and power, right? Yeah, I mean, as a a veteran, I, I agree. So we've always had these conversations, and so I think, and my parents um, really, in all eight of us, we're very individual uh, capitalists, all own our own businesses, and um, I think my parents instilled that in a very young age, but they also instilled the sense of giving back to the community, of volunteering. My mother used to say, honey, don't, you can't be pitiful and powerful, so don't pity yourself, get out. Like all these people are stuck inside, get outdoors. Go help your neighbor, mow a lawn. If somebody needs some trees clipped in the neighborhood, just go do that for them. There's so many little things, but volunteer. My mother said, you never know who you're gonna meet. And it's so true because I am, I'm always out on sites and help to rebuild homes and I've been helping with sex trafficking and stuff. We get a lot of volunteers, they don't know who I am. And I'm the CEO of a, of a manufacturer company. And we're, I'm always looking for the next brightest young guy that's coming up the pipeline, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't know that. And had they not come out and volunteered, they wouldn't meet me or meet other CEOs or other presidents or other leaders in our community that might be able to help young people. So I, my advice to young people, if you're feeling blue, if you're ever feeling depressed, go out and help somebody else. Because don't get pitted, don't get in the pit. You cannot be pitiful and powerful. So as a as your representative running in Congress, I can help people get out of the pit 
but only people can make themselves powerful. And the United States of America is the greatest country for that. People that have been in the pit can go to the palace, right? We see it happen over and over, only in America. So I think I grew up in a very um, interesting household that was filled with love, um, fight all the time. You know, our brothers and sisters, my, I always say my brothers were always trying to kill me. So I learned how to be a fighter, fight back and defend myself. I'd be dead now. And it would be like, you know, when food was on the table, it was like, it was a survival of the fittest. I'm not kidding. Dig in and eat. And if you didn't get food, you didn't eat. It was really interesting, fun childhood. And then um, I think that just led up to me. We all were encouraged to go to college. Not all of us did. Four went, four didn't out of our mm -hmm. household. Right? And the four that didn't own their own businesses. And the four that did own their own businesses. So, you know, we all have the same opportunities, right? Yeah, and exactly. Kind of That's interesting. And not, when it, it, not everyone's designed to go to college. Not every kid is mm -hmm. designed to go to college, and that's why education to me is you, uh, really if you're in med school, ask a doctor. When they were in med school, ask them if they remember physics or, <laughs> <laughs> or microbiology. No, it was all the hands-on internship, four years as an intern in a hospital where they learned, right? So we learn as we go. Our work experience is our daily life, and you can build upon that, and we can build people up with the skills that they have. In, this, in schools, we should be teaching back the wood shop, metal shop, bringing back in home economics. For crying out loud, people don't even know how to cook anymore. Mm -hmm. They really That's don't right. know how to cook. So um, cooking in our household, I mean, now I own a seasoning company, and I will tell you a little bit about how that got started. But um, we learned how to cook. My mother would, anything that was in the refrigerator that was left over went into a pot, and it was called stew. Do you remember those days? <laughs> yep, still have them, too. <laughs> right? We're having yeah, stew, and you knew what that was. Anything left in the fridge, it's in that pot, right? But kids wow. don't know how to do that. They don't even know the basics. I mean, that's something that I wanted to. I was going to start cooking classes and cooking schools when COVID hit, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. So, um, I think what what drove me uh, to run for Congress is what you're asking here, and and why I moved from California. I started, my husband got Guillain-Barre. He was paralyzed on a respirator for five and a half months. He was in critical care for a year and he was in rehab for another year. So almost three years of our life from 1998 to 2001 were the most devastating times of our life. My uh, mom had just died on May 1st. I had a freshman in college, a freshman senior in high school and a 10 month old baby. And my husband got a flu shot and was paralyzed on a respirator four days later. Oh no, from the flu shot? Yeah, from a flu shot. So he was at St. Jude's Medical Center in Fullerton, California. And um, that is a medical center. And uh, fortunately I had a great intern, Dr. Bodwin was our, our internal medicine, I'm sorry, doctor. And he was my uh, middle daughter's best friend's dad. And she told him, don't let him die, dad. And I'll tell you what, he, I, I studied this little thing called the coronavirus of all things that coronavirus has been around forever it's a common cold and all this propaganda and all of this stuff surrounding it and people can fight me all day long i lived it i studied it i literally have a degree in biology so i have my master's in education i have a minor in biology and i always say 
um, with my master's. I did all of my studies. I was in the master's program. I was married at the time. And um, my um, husband was also going through it. I did all the research. I did all the studies. But I felt like, well, it's more important for him to get it right now. So I gave him all of my studies so that he could pass and get his master's. He was already teaching school at the time. And um, six months later, we got divorced. So when I say I have my master's, it's my, I may not have that degree on my wall, but you know what? I have the education because I did all the studies. I did it. It's in my brain. You can't take my brain. They can take everything else from us, but they can't take your knowledge, right? That's but right. They can maybe drug you, but I always say <laughs> knowledge is free and anybody can read. And all these children have everything at their access on these little phones. There's no reason for people not to know what this coronavirus is and to know what, how it started and what's really happening. There's no excuse. They have more knowledge in this little tiny phone than we ever had. I had to go to a library and study in periodicals for crying out loud. Right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember those yes, things? Yes, same thing I had to do for engineering and economics. I had to do the same thing. Right? So, you know, um, but that gave me this background. So I had that background. So I got divorced from him and then I got remarried. This is my second husband that got sick with Cambrai. And um, it was devastating. We were, um, had a very successful real estate company and he got sick and we lost everything. Let me just tell you, when they go, we didn't even qualify for food stamps, cheese, diapers, or any of those programs because they go by your last year's income tax returns. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get any of that. So I had to work. We had to do what you have to do. I mean, when when we both went down, we, lost, we I shut down the real estate office. We lost everything, and we had to start over. I mean, I was literally living at Extended Stay America. We had leased out our primary residence. We couldn't homestead it, and so the state took it. That's how that works. So here's my advice to everybody. What do you learn from all of this? Uh, put everything in a trust and we had a trust written up but my husband did not sign it and had he had signed it we would not have lost our home we wouldn't have lost everything we would have been able to preserve that but we didn't have it and I would say that 90% of Americans maybe more I don't know the stats on that do not have a trust and it doesn't matter if you just have one car you can have everything in your trust that's my greatest advice to be able to if a major travesty happens, and that was a travesty, and we have all of us encounter unforeseen circumstances, right? And then we don't know what the re what's going to happen. Get a trust, start a trust. Do you have a trust? No, but I'm looking at one. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've uh, <laughs> used to work sort of in an industry in the industry, and I'm getting yeah. back in that in that sort of financial planning uh, industry. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Hey, I got another question for you. Yeah. Now you're running for Congress in District 14. What Correct. is driving you to take this leadership effort to serve Hillsborough County residents as a member of Congress? Right now, our representative is so liberal, so far left, it's not even funny. So we need to get rid of her, Kathy Castor. Her family's had a dynasty here in Tampa for years. Her dad was a judge, so she kind of uses his last name. That's not her married name. Her married last name is Williams. Her husband is an environmental attorney. 
and uh, her mom, Betty Castor, was president of USF, as you are aware, and um, they used that in their favor and keep this kind of nepotism going. Kathy's never worked. She's been in politics her entire life, and I'm not saying politics isn't hard work. Uh, it takes a lot of your time, but there's a big difference between owning your own business, having to make payroll, and then just being in politics, which has been handed to her on a silver spoon. And there's a lot of money. I see a lot of corruption in Hillsborough County. I see that there's a lot of illegal funding, uh, funneling of money through USF, and it's not benefiting the everyday citizens of Hillsborough. But the number one reason we, I, I ran against her is because I literally moved my company from California all the way to Florida to get away from the fallen policies of Nancy Pelosi and what she's doing to destroy California. California is in absolute utter chaos destruction. There, You cannot own a business and keep it running in California anymore. You're overtaxed, overtaxed, overregulated. And, you know, if it wasn't for the high-tech companies, I don't even know how California is staying abreast. Well, it's not. I mean, California is so in debt, it's not even funny. And then whose responsibility is that going to be? That's going to come mm-hmm. down on the other four states, right? Well, yeah. Kathy Castor over here, not only does she vote 100% along party lines with Nancy Pelosi, she motioned for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker of the House. She also mm. motioned twice to impeach President Trump. She's dangerous in that she does not understand free enterprise. She doesn't understand how manufacturing works. So now in 2008, Obama comes in and he starts passing all these regulations. And then remember this, anytime Congress passes a law, you have to have an agency oversee that law, right? It has to go somewhere. You know the little thing called the IRS? Yes. We we pass tax laws. Who handles the tax laws? Yeah, the IRS. The IRS. We pass um, regulations on manufacturing to preserve, like a lot of it for me is in packaging and our, our packaging is made with color. Everything you see, all your packaging is made with color, right? Well, mm-hmm. then they pass these regulations to dispose of the byways properly, which is fine. We all want to be in compliance, but they've made it so inhibitive, cost prohibitive from making a profit. Guess where all those companies went? <laughs> Do you remember the big exodus in 2008, 9, 10? China. Oh, oh gosh. The C word. Yeah, one one of the C words. They all went to China. They, and so do you think China's doing a good job? you think China's regulating how that waste is being disposed of? Hell no. Nope. They're dumping it in the ocean and it's coming right back where? Into to the Nancy West Coast. Pelosi. Yeah, the San Francisco Bay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but this Kathy Castor um, voted to pass on these regulations in the environmental and that's what I came here to get away from. So in my business, we're a dry manufacturer. We have a dry rep. I do not use water in processing. I don't use water. In my new food audit that went in effect because of the Obama administration and Kathy Castor passing these through, I had an audit come in, $1,400. First time I've ever had an audit, been in business already for, at that point, 11 years. I have Now I have food audits. So the auditor comes in and he says, well, I need to see your comprehensive written plan for water. 
And I said, well, I don't use water for processing. He goes, well, you need to have a comprehensive written plan. I go, well, why would I write a comprehensive written plan for a procedure I don't have? He goes, well, you have to have it. It says right here, you have to have it. And I said, so you're telling me that the county water I wash my dishes with is not potable? He goes, well, write it down. Say that you use county water and the county water, where do they get their certification? I go, well, I can go right here. And I pulled up and, but that wasn't good enough. He wanted a comprehensive written plan for water. So I decided I'll go see that little Kathy Caster because she's the one who's pushing this through. <laughs> and she, I fly up to DC, I make an appointment. She won't see me. And they tell me that they don't see Republicans in this, in the DC office. So oh. I'm pissed. And then I say to her, the little girl sitting there, it's not her fault, but I was, you know, I've been very good about not cussing, but in those days I was cussing at her and telling her, well, then I guess I'll see her in, uh, kick her out of that seat because that's a people seat and she's doing a disservice and blah, blah, blah. You know, I went off on her. I came back and I decided I'd run for Congress. I only had a week to make that decision. I paid the 10,440 bucks, no campaign, nobody helping me. Nobody knew who I was. But by God, I just would move my business 2,300 miles across the country. I can't just pack up and go back. You can't right. pack up a company with, I mean, it was six, count them, one, two, three, four by six, 53-foot trucks brought me here. I can't just reload it up and move. I got to make it work here. And I moved mm -hmm. to Florida because of tax incentives. I moved to Florida because of what Governor Rick Scott did to help businesses grow and thrive here in Florida. That's how I picked Florida. I'm not moving. Kathy Castor can get her little ass out of there and I'll move in that seat and then I'll make Florida flourish for <laughs> businesses. I love it. I love it. I love it. Here's my next question, Christine. I love it. And I knew that we were, we were, I knew that we were going to have a lively uh, conversation. Here's my next question. How okay. do you see our country's posture or status across the board under the current presidential and congressional leadership? How, how are we doing now? We have a new person in, in Washington, D.C. at 1600. Well, unless you are blind, deaf and dumb, you can see we're paying five dollars at the pump. Fourteen thousand people lost their job to a pipeline. But, oh, it's OK if we give it to Russia. Russia can have a pipeline. It's safe over there. But over here where we're being overregulated, over, you know, government control, overbearing EPA, we can't have one here. I mean, he is to the ground. Taxes have gone up. They're going to continue to go up. I think the stock market's got to be the biggest joke ever per perpetuated on the American people because they're just playing games right now. They all, I don't know what's going on with the stock market, but it's rising. We have a, our, our gross capital gains are going down and yet we are, our GPA is down and our stock market's up. How does that make sense? Yep, yep. And then where's the inflation? Inflation, our, we're giving out trillions of dollars, six trillion dollars in the in the first six months, six trillion dollars in the stimulus money. This is re trillion. I mean, I had a hard time saying the B word for billion when that, it was like, oh, I just want to be a millionaire. And now it's like, you know, you make the millionaire club and you're the poor guy on the block. It's <laughs> a million, no good anymore. Right? That's right. Now you got to be billionaire and now we've got trillionaires and we got trillions of dollars in debt guys we can't keep doing this there is going to be a glass ceiling it is going to come to a fall we need trump back you know 
Trump was steering us in the right direction. He turned the ship around. He was getting us going. I was seeing the most profit I ever saw in the 17 years I've been in business under the Trump administration because he lowered taxes, put more money in our pocket because I think we both can do better with our money than the government. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I don't need the government telling me what to do. I think the reason why they're, they're running us into the ground, he's had more executive orders ever. And to date, Congress has passed 17 new laws in six months, which doesn't seem like a lot. We are, uh, they're so worried about HR1. Thank God we should all be happy that that thing did not pass the Senate. Yes. But they put so much emphasis on that they weren't passing a lot of laws because usually about by this time we have about 150 so in in the respect of congress they're doing they're not doing as much as like in writing laws they're doing more in taking down people taking down the american hope taking down the american spirit taking down like creating fear they're playing with our minds because up in Congress, they're not doing much. Everyone can go online and see what bills are being introduced, what bills are being passed. Thank God we have Marjorie Green up there calling for a vote. You know why bills aren't going through right now, like like you know, running water? Because she's making them go down there and actually do a vote. You That's know right, Marjorie yeah. Taylor Green of Georgia. She's she's one of the hardest working uh, Congresswomen's. Uh, in her short time in Congress. I mean, she is, and you're going to be just like her. Right. That's what I told her. I'm going to be, because we're both business owners and we're both women with children and we don't take shit. You know, I, I don't, I don't tolerate bad behavior. When my children act up, I don't tolerate. Nope. We're going to stop that right now. Then we're not going to, oh, it's okay, honey. It's okay if you burn down the house. No, (laughs) you can't put fire in the house. So we're going to put that fire out and you're going to go to your room and then you're going to come back and clean it up and you're going to apologize. You're going to take, there's consequences for your action and then you're going to repent and you're going to turn from your wicked ways, right? But we're mm-hmm. not disciplining children. And it's no wonder that our children are so confused right now. But staying on, you know, what, what Congress is doing, um, Thank God they're not passing a lot of laws, so we should all be happy about that. Unfortunately, they're messing with our children now. They couldn't yes. take down Trump fast enough, so now they're going after our children. And that's with this critical race theory, which is a joke. And let me tell you, it's been around since 1921. This isn't something new. And it took a new breath in the 50s. It was a little quiet during the 60s. But Mendora uh, from Venezuela said, it will be a slow and gradual process to turn from a democracy to communism. That's a quote. Mm-hmm. So, so in, in your area, so let me ask you a question. In your area, how has uh, this, uh, this what, what Bernie Sanders coined as Democrat socialism, ha- have you seen a lot of that in Hillsborough County and Oh, uh, what yeah. have you seen in there in, in your in your community as uh, this socialism and you know and, and communism light is beginning to you know, try to take hold? Well, the number one thing are businesses are shutting down. Number two, people don't want to go to work. Services have dropped. You can't. There's signs everywhere, all over Hillsborough, Pinellas, the whole Tampa Bay. Job openings, job openings, huge banners, job openings. When the 
government is just going to pass out money, which is going to be over inflation and our dollar is going to be worth nothing. And then guess who's going to move in? China. So we should be very concerned, not just on this community level, but on a global level of what's happening. But here in Tampa, we have the victim mentality. Oh, poor me. We have a lot of the um, BLM pushing in and saying that, oh, well, you know, it, it's it's racism. It's, it's no, quit being the victim. You cannot be pitiful and powerful. I can help you be powerful. I can get you out of that pit. But you cannot be pitiful and play the victim for me. Get up, put your boots on and get to work. Everybody mm-hmm. needs to go to work. And not only in that, they have pride. But you know what I'm not seeing here? I'm not seeing people with pride. I'm seeing a lot of people that are playing off of the system. I don't see the poor. Well, for me, this is my personal opinion. So everyone can blast me. You can call me a racist. You can say whatever. I love people. I love cultures. I love going around the world and meeting different people. So that that's going to be a far stretch just for someone to come against me. But when I say I don't think there's racism, I don't think there's systemic racism in America. I think there's a poverty issue mm-hmm. because just for a little bit of an example, we have lots of beautiful black men playing basketball. They're making millions and millions of dollars and everybody from all kinds of races goes out there and pays and cheers them on. Now, if it was really racism by the definition, then no white people or any Asian people or Mexicans because racism comes in all colors, right? Go look at the mm-hmm. Crips, the Bloods in California, the Crips, the Blacks, the, the white or the Mexicans, right? Isn't it the Crips, the blue, Mexican, yeah, yep. the, the Reds, the Blacks? So, yep. not Crips and the Bloods. Black. Crips and the Bloods. We've dealt with this since the 70s. It was bad in the 70s. But at the end of the day, this isn't white man against black man. They're just trying to make it white against black. You yes, can't make I, you. Go ahead. And I just want to let the listeners know I am a black man talking to a, a, a Californian uh, white woman who now lives in, in Florida. So you have a you have a <laughs> black man interviewing a white woman. And uh, and so we're, we're talking about, you know, your run for Congress, and here we are having a conversation. So that just blows right. the myth. Because there's no, it doesn't matter color your skin. You're a man. You're an intelligent mm-hmm. man. I met you, and you're a brilliant man. And that's all that matters. If we're, God is a respecter of no person. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to poverty. We don't like poor people. We don't want poor people to be around us. What did Jesus say? You know, he said to the, all of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, that all should be able to come in and don't make a special seat just for someone in the front because they're of royalty, right? That yes. that even the pauper from the back welcomed them into the church because they're all my children. Yes. So, but what we don't like is we don't want that guy that doesn't smell good or doesn't wear the right clothes. We don't want him sitting up front, right? That just keeps mm-hmm. him in the back. And it doesn't matter the color of his skin. It matters what was in his pocket. It's a poverty issue. So we've thrown billions of dollars, billions of dollars against poverty, and we still have poverty in America. Why do we have any poverty in America? We're the richest nation in the world. We're the, we were in the top seven, but now we're down to like 38 in the world of education, which is sad. And what's really sad and what I'm really fighting for here in Tampa, and I'm going to dispel the myth Oh, we've got all these grade A schools. No, we don't. We do not. 
Our Floridian students are not even 30% of our students are reading and writing at grade level, 30%. That means 70% of Floridian students are failing. Yet we have all these school boards around here that are giving them A, B ratings. No, they're not. They're grading them on a curve so that they can get the funding from the federal government. So why do I want to run to Congress? Because we got to fix that and quit putting it on these testing scores so that our children learn to read and write, quit sexualizing our children, get Planned Parenthood out of kindergarten. There's no reason for Planned Parenthood to be in our schools, period. Period. Wow. Don't they don't need to be there. So we need to get Planned Parenthood out of our school. We got to quit saying that it's okay. Oh, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. I'm pretty sure you're a boy. I saw you. And you're definitely a man. And I am definitely a woman. Whether I want to identify as something else is irrelevant. If they're if the Republicans are or the Democrats are gonna say, Oh well, you know, follow the science. Okay, let's follow DNA. There's an X <laughs> yeah, DNA doesn't lie. And there's an XY chromosome. Now, I know because I did study biology that sometimes you can have a superman and a superwoman, which they're called XXY or YYX. They have an extra chromosome. But that's such an anomaly that that's not going to, you shouldn't change your whole rule and structure of your society. We make it, uh, exceptions and accommodations to help those people, right? But we don't change society as a whole. That's so exactly I right. Very, I give a very simple example of this. So I'm a very common sense, down to earth kind of gal, right? Even though, you know, I'm a little hippie girl from uh, Costa Mesa, growing up on the beach, <laughs> but here it is. In society, we used to have horse and buggies, right? So mm -hmm. the horses went down and, and they pooped in the street. And so we decided as a society, hey, we should have street sweepers clean up the poop from the horses, right? Because of the women's dresses were dragging in the mud. We didn't like it. So we thought, well, we should clean that up. So we got town hall. We made a decision. We created a lie. You can't bring your horse in here. If your horse does that, you better clean it up. Or what's going to happen? You're going to get a fine, right? Mm -hmm. So pretty soon, people didn't want to get fined. They didn't have a lot of money. They couldn't pay with corn and, and apples or whatever. So they started cleaning up the poop out the street. Literally, this is true story. So now the next thing you know, um, the little ladies don't like their dresses getting all in the mud. And so we should make planks for them to walk on so the girls don't have to walk on mud. Because people have to realize we didn't have streets and sidewalks and street life. This was the raw West that our forefathers came to America, saw this free country, said, here you go. Go out and populate the land. Right? And so we did. And then our little community started to grow. And then the next thing you know, cars come along. And so now we, uh, these cars are speeding through and people are getting hit and getting in wrecks. And so as a society, we came together. Do I call you Clarence or Rick? Cause on here it says Rick. So where do I call you, Rick? Rick, yeah, Rick is fine. Okay, okay, Rick. So Rick, you and I get together and we decide, hey, Rick, you know, these cars are speeding through here. We should probably, and they're not letting these other cars go across. And then when they do, we're getting in wrecks. We, we should probably have some stop signs that tell people to stop. And then let's decide what would be the best way. And then you come up with an idea and say, hey, well, maybe we should yield to everybody to the right. Remember those days? Mm -hmm. We had the four-way stop. And we yep. yielded to the right. And then we'll let our friend and our neighbor go. 
And then that way we don't run into each other. And then the electricity comes along and now we have street lights and so we put them up and we have red, yellow, green and we decide we're going to stop. And if you don't stop, what happens? Boom. Yep, wreck. Well, you could get a wreck, but you get a ticket. And if you don't pay your ticket, you go to jail, right? Very mm -hmm. simple. We have these simple laws because in society we want law and order. And now what's happened is that the government has come along, the federal government, and they've taken away the power from the state. And now these federal regulations are suffocating us. They're burying us. We don't, we're not free anymore. We're told when we can go, when seatbelt to wear, you better wear a helmet. Oh, when you're riding a bike, you better wear a helmet. Oh, you can't chew gum. You can't spit on the street. You can't smoke. Smoke is bad. Now you can't drink. You're, you know, we they're, they're just giving so many rules and regulations. They're suffocating us. The federal government's literally suffocating the states. So the states need to back start to be take over and more control of what's happening in their cities, in their communities, right? And with their schools and the educational system and not the government coming in doing a one-size-fits-all and say, do this. Because that's what happened in 2008 with the Obama administration. He put in an LBGT Sajar who went across quietly from 2008, 10, 12, 14, and got that all integrated quietly into our school system. Anyone know what I think is the best thing that happened with COVID? Our kids were well, staying home and the parents had to talk to them. Yes, and the, and the parents got to, to actually see uh, some of the uh, uh, destruction that was being taught to the to the schools on these uh, online uh, Zoom uh, class sessions, and that's when parents begin to see and hear about all of the stuff that has nothing to do with the three R's, you know, reading, right. writing, and arithmetic. <laughs> right. That's it. Yep. So we yeah, I want to also. I want to ask you something about, I know you talk about small business ownerships, and I want to let uh, your, our listeners know that be back, you know, back in the 90s, California, and I would say probably California in the 90s is where Florida is now, but I would say back in the 90s, when two people wanted to be in business, the only person, the only thing you had to compete against was the other person. Now here in California and, and looks like in some states like New York and Washington and Portland, the government is your biggest entity that you have to worry about. It's, it's not the, the man down the street that's, uh, that has a, a dental clinic or the woman that has a, a CPA practice. It's the government who's your biggest nemesis, which you have to try yep. to overcome to be a successful business. I thought I want to just add that in there when you're talking about the regulations. Yeah, that they're suffocating them literally suffocating us. There are so many rules and regulations that have come down from the federal government through the EPA. And these EPA people, that's just an agency and they have all the power. Mm -hmm. And then we have our Food and Drug Administration. And so then we have our health and safety officers. Then we have people that are coming in, you know, like in, in Florida and every state has them. But the Florida State of Agriculture comes in and then they're the ones that are doing the business license and the food safety um, inspections and everything. So every time these laws are passed, they go to these agencies. These agencies aren't even equipped. I don't even know if they understand what the real law is, but yet they're going to come in, knock on my door and tell me how to run my business. 
I know it's a and shame. And if I don't, they're gonna they can close you down. Yeah, that's 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 horrible. Hey, here's another question I have, uh, Christine. Um, I'm not sure about how you feel about this, or if you can answer this question. I think you can, but it seems as if some in the Republican Party, members of Congress, have lost their will to fight. They seem like they've gone into stealth mode after they get elected. You don't hear from them. Um, what what do you how do you feel about that? And how would a a Christine Quinn uh, successful run for Congress fix that? In your opinion. Well, I think what happens is people retreat. Like, okay, so you're all for me, right? Rick likes Christine. You're going to go out and tell all your people, yeah, let's get behind Christine. Yay. And you get everyone rallies behind me and, and I win. And then I go up to D.C. and everybody's gone back to work, right? Now you guys are all doing your thing. And then they just throw you in. So one day we'll have to do um, the life, a day in the life of a congressman or woman. But in a nutshell, they're broken up into 15-minute segments. Then they got to run down and they got to vote, or they get these, you know, there's small interest groups or lobbyists that are coming in. It's just one person. Yes, they have a staff, but everybody wants to meet and talk to the congresswoman. So if I become your congresswoman, you want to come up and sit down and talk to me. You're going to get 15 minutes. That's it, because. There's someone else, right? As soon as your 15 minutes are up, they're knocking on 15 minutes, and then the bell goes off, and you got to go get in the elevator and run down and look at these bills and then vote for them. So you're talk, talk, talk all day, and then you got to be on this committee or that committee, and you got to go to this party, and you got to go meet these people. You can't do it. It's an overwhelming job once you get there. And I think what we need to do is break that down. So that our congressmen and women, this is why they don't read the bills. You know, I read, I, I actually printed out, I have it right here. I thought if we did a live broadcast, I'd show you. But I have HR1 right here, 886 pages. How many congressmen and women do you think actually read that? <laughs> Not many. And just to let people know, HR1 was that bill where they wanted to federal, federalize the election process, correct? Correct. Correct. So somebody had told me, oh, yeah. In that bill, they're giving $25 million to Pakistan for a sex study, and they're throwing all this stuff in it. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I want to go read it and find out where all that is. And they were wrong. So see, we can't listen to people, because I believe that person. I believe that they, they were reputable, and I thought, well, they must know what they're talking about, so I believe them. That's exactly what, all we, what we as constituents, we believe what our congressmen and women are saying about, or what people say about certain bills, right? We believe them. We don't have any reason to think they're lying. I just want mm. to tell you right now, everybody who's listening, they're lying. They do not read these bills. I read this whole bill. It absolutely, totally is all about election integrity. And there's no integrity in this entire bill, but <laughs> it takes away all the power from the state and puts it all in the federal government. Yes, that's what it was about. And the sad thing is, is like page after page was redundant, open-ended. When I would say that, and I tabbed it all. And so on some pages it would say one thing, and then I would read 400 pages later, saying the opposite of what I just read back here on page 105, but page on 310 is saying something different. But they're talking mm, about mm, the same mm. thing. So what is it? Is it that we're going to change this, or is we're not going to change this? Then they use double negative. So I think to answer oh, I hate question, that. Yes. They're redundant. They're open-ended. 
double negatives. I'm like, wait a minute, is it or is it not? Because I'm not really quite sure. So I have to read the paragraph five times. And then I still don't get it. How confusing if it's for me and I'm educated, would it be for the average person to understand this? It would yeah, be very difficult. It seems like sometimes I, I don't want to pick on lawyers, <laughs> but it seems like some of these bills are written that you'd have to you know, have a, a PhD in the Queen's English. No kidding. You know, to, to understand what they just wrote. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you have all that responsibility on one person, right? We have one constituent, I mean, one representative for all the constituents and we're to do the best we can to represent you. And then all it ends up being is who can get the most money back to their districts and funnel it to the people that are going to help them get reelected. That's the sad part. I know. So and I'll tell you this, uh, being a, yeah. a person that's, been, that's starting to become on the inside of this uh, uh, run for Congress, because I know several people who are running, a lot of them are telling me that a lot of the people running for Congress are just in it for the money. And I okay. have identified probably, I would say maybe 80% of the, the people that I've had a chance just to say hello to. Um, I can tell you, there's only a few people, you're one of them that I can tell that you're serious about running for Congress because I can t tell you the 80% of them, they're just in it for the money. Now their, their interests, they may, they may have a genuine concern about their communities, but they don't have the fire in their belly like you have. And they, they don't, don't have, have it. They don't, they don't have it. I want you to name five effective Congressmen. I don't care if they're Democrat, Republican, name five. <laughs> I, 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 I would put Marjorie Taylor Greene in definitely in that top five. And okay. I know another person down at Florida who's who's probably going to do well in yourself and uh, maybe like, you know, n not not any from the West Coast. I can tell you that. Yeah, but what's so sad is we have 435 representatives and we can't name five. I mean, I can yep. make uh, Ted Cruz, Matt Gage, Jim Jordan. Um, you know, I don't like Lindsey Graham. He was there this weekend. I think he's weak. I think he plays it. He's been there too long. And I think this is exactly why we need, and no one's going to go for it because no one's going to book themselves out of a job. But I do believe we need to have term limits. And I think for Congress, it should be four years. You go in there for four years, not every two years. So we're not having elections and that just makes uh, consultants and cam campaigns money. Stop the nonsense. We don't need it anymore. We need businessmen and women to go up to Congress to represent, come back, have our town hall. You tell me everything you want, Rick. All of our friends, we're going to get together and we're going to decide what really needs to happen for our community. And then I'm going to go up there and speak for you. And then I want you guys to come up there and back me up. Don't run away. I think the reason why a lot of these congressmen and women become ineffective is because Nancy Pelosi's running them over. There's no one there to help them. You got Schumer and Pelosi running the show. Seriously. <laughs> Right? But we, the people, have all the power. Rick, we really do. Nobody knows you can go up to Cannon Hall. Cannon Hall is where all the, um, the, the congressional offices are. And then they have a Senate Hall, and they're all, they're all along one long line up there, right behind the, the Capitol building. And you can go through there, it's open to the public, and you can start knocking on the doors of every single congressman and woman, Democrat, Republican. See, as Republicans, we think we can't go talk to the Democrats. Well, hell, I just want to talk to Kathy Castor. She's a damn Democrat that's ruining my life. 
So get up there and talk to her. No, you know why she doesn't want to talk to me? Because I'm going to call her out. Yes. And she's got, yeah, she's gotten away with doing nothing for eight years. And mind you, four terms, she's been up there for eight terms, but four terms she went unimposed. Three were actual unimposed, no candidates. The fourth one was some Republican ran against her, had no money, no chance at all, zero. And then she's had me for the last two. I'm going to take her out as far as I'm going to get more votes. I'm going to get the people. We're going to get the right to show people. Show people. You are really more of a Republican. If you believe these and you're registered as a Democrat, you're really a Republican. And I'm going to show them why they are. Because I guarantee you my Hispanic community here have very solid Christian values and don't know that the Democrats don't represent those Christian values. Period. Absolutely. I grew up. I grew up in one of those communities. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, you know Cuban, Puerto Rican, you know Venezuelan uh, yep. folks that I grew up with. Uh, matter of fact, my best friend used to be a Tampa police officer there, and uh, lives in Arizona now. We just talked today. So, but I have a, I have one more question to ask you, but I want to add this comment, and I want to actually it's another question. And here's the question, Christine: Why do you think Democrat? members of Congress do not use the words success, prosperity, uh, capitalism, growth. You know, how can, why don't they use those words? It's almost like those words are kryptonite to them. Well, I don't know so much that they're not using them in their everyday language or when they talk. So I truly, in my heart of hearts, don't believe that these Democrats that have been elected, all of them, I think there's a handful that are bad, but I don't think the majority get up and say, oh, I want to ruin America today. I believe that they believe they're doing the right thing. Because even the Apostle Paul went out and killed Romans. He was a Roman guard, right? I and mean, he went out mm-hmm. and killed people. He was a murderer, right? And then he was transformed through the body of Jesus Christ when Jesus came and he became one his disciple, right? So he thought what he was doing then by killing people and he was a horrible tax collector and going out and beating people he thought he was doing the right thing because he was following what the government was telling him to do and he thought it was for the good of the people he really believed that in his heart at that moment this is why jesus says to us i look at a man's heart and we need to start looking at these people so why don't we start talking to some of these democrats that i don't believe are so hardline to the left as their leadership and I think that they're starting to see you. They have children. They have families. They're, they're probably scratching their heads and wondering what the heck's going on because we can't name them either. We can name Omar, A-R-C, Omar. We can name the other Rahibab, right? What they call the mm-hmm. squad. They're just making a lot of noise. But they're not running the show. They're just being the face of it, right? But they are anti-Semitic, they're against the Jews, they're Muslim. I read the Quran, so I studied Muhammad for five years. So people, I, I didn't know what it was all about when it was 911. So I went to a seminar one day at church and this guy came and he was from another country. He was a Christian pastor over in a Muslim nation and he um, came and he gave us basically a one hour synopsis of what Muslims is all about. Four years later, ask me anything about Muhammad and I'll tell you. Because I started studying that. There's no excuse for us to not to know the truth because we all have the same capability of getting the, the right information. 
because there's bad information being put out by the media. I believe that they are being, they're not allowed to speak these things publicly because they have an agenda and that agenda is communism. They want to destroy America, period. If people don't want to believe that, then get your head out of the dirt, pull your head out and start seeing what's happening. This is a bigger right. picture than you and I. This is and somebody right, that... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it, it, it's something that we're going to have to identify. We're not going to have to be afraid of. The Lord says, fear not, for I am with you. Greater is he in me than he is this world. 1 Peter 5, 8. Satan roams the earth, seeking whom he may devour. But Jesus says, but I come. John 10, 10. The evil one comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come to give you life abundantly overflowing to the full. John 14. You can only come to me through my son, right? God says, Jesus says, you can only come to know my father. So it'd be like this, Rick. You know your dad, right? Yes. And you know how your father works, right? And you can mm -hmm. tell me all these great things about your father, but I don't know your father. And you could say, hey, Christine, I want you to meet my dad. You really need to come over here and meet my father. And that's all that Jesus is saying. Hey, I want you to meet my dad, Father God. He loves you. He loves you so much. He gives you a free choice to do whatever you want, but choose life. John 16, I step before you life and death. Choose life. You don't hear the Democrats talking about what Jesus said. You hear just the opposite because Satan has gotten hold of this. We do not fight principalities of flesh and blood, but of the unseen world. We are fighting a demonic spirit right now. And that demonic spirit is at large. Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. He's been here for many years. He knows exactly what God wants, and he knows exactly how to take him down. And it's not exactly. just a kingdom divided amongst itself. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, God said, train men, men, this is to you men out there, train your children. Women, nurture your men. Men, train your children, teach your children. So, if, and I believe that the Democrats are racist, if you're going to call someone a racist, I think that they've been against, uh, for slavery. It was the Republicans that freed the slaves. And by the way, many black men in America were free. We have yes. bad plantations. We had a lot of bad plantations in the South, but we had a lot of proud men and black men in Congress. And the first House of Congress was Wilt. He was a black man. He was in Congress since the beginning. Yep. We are not teaching black history. This doesn't have anything to do with the color of your skin. This has to do with people hating people. And these Democrats, which were the Ku Klux Klan, by the way, who started it, not these white folks, these are these crazy nutcases we don't want to have anything to do with, right? And they hated the blacks. So what would be the best way? If you're demonic and you know, and Satan knows how to destroy a family, what would be the best way for Satan to do that? He knows God's word. God says, men, train your children in the ways they should go. Men, teach your children. If Satan wants to destroy the earth and destroy a family, what would be the best way to do that, Rick? Yeah, to go after, go after the, the children and, uh, and, and cause them to separate from their families. Take the man out of the house. Mm -hmm. So what did welfare do? What did the government do? Under the leadership of a lot of Democrat presidents, 
and Democrats from the Kennedys, you know, I mean, we can just go through and name all of them. Um, What did they do? They told these little black girls that got pregnant and had babies, well, honey, we could give you money and welfare, but the man can't be in the house. So if he's out, you know, you're not married and he's not in the household, then we can give you welfare. But if he stays in the household, we can't give you any welfare. So what did she do? Honey, get out of the house. I need that money because I need to pay for this kid and you're not working, so get out. She just yep, and I was one of those kids. I was one of those kids. My mom was on welfare uh, under that same circumstance. And wouldn't, up right there in Tampa. and wouldn't it have been better if your father could have stayed in the home? That yes. That didn't have to kick him out? But if So my goal would be, I, let's give him more money. Keep that man in the house. You give a man a baby, he'll melt. That baby will melt that man. That little boy that was 20 years old, got a girl pregnant, holds a little baby. He becomes a man. Now mm. you give him something to be proud about. He's got a child he's got to care for. Keep the man in the household. Give them more money because men eat more. And the other thing is, I want that guy. I'm exhausted. I'm a girl. I've been taking care of him, breastfeeding the baby. The baby's screaming, honey, please, it's your turn to get up. Get up, mm-hmm. honey. You have to rest. You go take care of that baby. But no, yep, and that's what I man. did with my three sons. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You got up and took care of your baby. Yep. And, and, and that's what makes a man a man. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. There's a lot of poor white girls that they had to kick their, um, their white babies out. There's Asians. There's Mexicans. They're taking the man out of the house. The color of the skin was irrelevant. It may have started because they were trying to destroy the black family because more black babies have been aborted in, a, in, in a Planned Parenthood that were planted in black communities. Can you imagine what our world would look like if all those babies were alive right now? Yep, Can you it would imagine? be wonderful. Yep. The be wonderful. We would. And what we need to do is teach our boys to be men and take pride in taking care of your family. And teaching our, it's not my job to raise my son as a man, I'm a woman. I can only nurture my son. It takes a man to raise a man. And I make the man to teach a girl how to be treated. As a, as a woman should be treated. We need to get the men back in the house. We need to get welfare, these men that have been kicked out of the house because of the welfare program and bring them back in. Get them back in that household where they can have pride of being a man. Do you take that away Absolutely. from the man? What's he got help for? Well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's hanging out with his buddies. Well, I don't know where my kid is. You know, I don't get to go see them. Well, and then they get into drugs, they get into drinking. They they don't have direction. Give a kid, give a, a boy a kid, and he'll have direction in his life. No, I'm absolutely not the exception of those guys that aren't going to do it. There's bad men out there. There just are. But there's a lot more good men than there are bad men. And we absolutely. would have a lot better men if the man was in the home. And I, so as your congresswoman, I would encourage, I would want to reform the welfare system that can encourage to keep families together. They're talking about the border. I was on the border. Oh, they're separating them from their family. Well, hell, you're doing that right here with the welfare. So don't worry about the border. You're doing that right here in the inner city. You're separating a, a man from his child and saying he can't be in the household because we can't give him welfare if he's in the household. 
Mm-hmm. That's a bunch of BS. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Um, how can people learn more about Christine Quinn, District 14, congressional candidate in Tampa, Florida, and uh, and uh, what what do you need people to do to help you? So they can go to Vote Quinn v o t e q u i n n twenty twenty two dot com, and I need a volunteer to help me get my website really going because we want to put all of our events on there. But if you're here in Tampa, what we want to do is start getting people to go out. So this is my plan. I draft my truck. I have a pop-up tent. I'm a great cook. So I'm going to cook, get, I have a barbecue, a pop-up barbecue. I'm going to take some hot dogs, make some uh, au gratin potatoes. I'm going to go pop it up in some um, empty lots. And I want people to come out to me so they can just meet me and talk to me. Knocking door to door is is the old school it's ineffective half the people won't open the door right but if i come out there in my truck pop up a tent have food and some drinks come get a cold drink get the kids some ice cream now everyone's going to come to me i want volunteers to help me feed these communities but mostly because what's the best way to a man's heart <laughs> stomach <laughs> there you go so that's, let's it, that's get it. it that's it but it, i'm a real person I care, and I'm. Don't worry. I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty. I've cleaned toilets. I've cleaned the floor. When I'm the last one to get paid and owning a business, I know what it's like to have to write a check to my employees to pay all my bills. And I know how hard it is to get businesses. Just I know how hard it is. Life is hard, but if we come together as a community, we can make it a little bit easier and lift people's spirits and show people there is hope. We have hope for a great future. It's not over. We can save America one neighbor at a time, but we got to come out and meet the people. So I need volunteers to go with me, help me just serve people. What did Jesus say we need to do? We need to serve. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the, the community and I want to meet people. And then I want to show them while we're out there, I want to get people that can register people to vote and show them the difference between what the Democrats are doing, the communists, uh, Party of America, which is, by the way, alive and well here in Tampa. We actually have a communist party here in Tampa. What they're doing to destroy our community and as a Republican. And I just want to show them the difference and then ask them, where do you align with? Do you believe this or do you believe this? And I am guarantee you 90% of them are going to say they believe the Republicans, what we have to say there. And they say, okay, great, let's get you registered as a Republican. And that's my plan. Because one, it takes a lot of money. And I'm not out it for the money. I put in $200,000 of my own money in my last campaign. I'm not whining. I'm not complaining. I did it of my own free accord. Because I believe in America and I believe in the hope of America. But I, I my grandson is having friends spend the night tonight. So sorry about that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. So what are the what are the, the borders, the boundaries of your district? You, yesterday you told me. Or a couple of days, you said, from North Tampa to the north, all the way down to Apollo Beach. Is that like a yep. like a rectangular strip? Well, actually, if you look at the district map, district consists of. They're going to go all the way up to Wesley Chapel, straight across from County Line, all the way down, which is going to take. It's kind of going to be a little bit more straight along the Tampa Bay, all the way down to Apollo Beach, up along Brandon, the seventy-five. At Temple, we're going to lose part of Temple Terrace, but we don't know the exact. So this is kind of, you know, what's in the process right now. But it'll be more straight up to 75, up to New Tampa, 
and all of the centers. So South Tampa, um, we have, we hopefully we'll only have a tiny part of Temple Terrace, Odessa, Wesley Chapel, all the way over to um, the the Bay. So it goes all the way over to where. So the, Brandon, where the Florida, is in your district. No, Brandon will be over in Polk, but it's Hillsboro. But that part of Brandon will actually be over yeah. in District. Uh, I think that's. 15. Yeah, that's where I that's where I grew up. The last four years living in Tampa was in Brandon, Brandon and. Brandon, and uh, uh, was the other place was was it Brandon and uh, Valrico? Valrico, yeah. So that will not be in my district. That my district will be on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. But it's still huge. Four hundred and eighty thousand uh, voters. Right now, we have about um, two hundred and forty-six thousand uh, re- Democrats. We have two hundred and. Um, well, we're, we're 70,000, or actually we're about 50,000 apart from Democrats to Republicans. The numbers keep changing, so I'm sorry I don't have all the numbers on my top of my head. But, you know, the interesting thing is we have 210 independents, 210,000. So we're kind of a third and a third and a third, you know. But mm-hmm. it's a takeable district. We do need donations, even $5. I look at it this way. 126,000 people, or 146,000 people voted for me, 146. If everyone gave five bucks to donate for me, that'd be seven hundred twenty thousand dollars. We'd have enough money for a campaign. So to run a congressional campaign correctly, and you don't need millions, um, it runs about twenty six thousand a month just for salary. That's for a campaign manager, a deputy campaign manager. Um, you have to have a public relations person, a scheduler, a volunteer coordinator. And there's lots of positions, and I'm not talking about big pains. These are being like twenty five hundred a month, three thousand a month. Um, the campaign manager makes a little bit more, like forty five hundred a month. But we're talking twenty four seven. Campaigns do not sleep; they run twenty four seven. There's always stuff to do, and that's when we need lots of volunteers. So anyone that wants to volunteer, votequin2022.com. We're happy that we want to start getting them all together about the end of July and then just start coordinating it. And I need to raise a minimum of $30,000 a month. And we're talking in a country that's huge. And Congress makes decisions for the whole United States. So we don't need to be limited just to my constituents here. I'm gonna need money from all around the United States that people believe in what I say, they think I can do a good job, put your money in where your mouth is and help me because financially we need it. And um, I will give you my all. I think I poured my heart out to you. And I'm sincere. And I mean it. And I'm well-educated. And I'm a fighter. And I'm an, I, I'm an AQ rated with the NRA. So I am going to protect our Second Amendment rights. On my truck it says, remember, your Second Amendment rights protect your First Amendment rights. And our First Amendment rights are under attack. They are being abused and aborted and shredded right now. Our religious freedoms are teetering. They're, they're already trying to close down churches. And you know what? They can have a slave because of this separation of church and state. Then why does the state tell the churches they had to shut down? Because there's no such thing as separation of church and state. And I think our pastors were cowards. And they should have stood yes. up and said, no, God will cover us. God will protect us. We should be smart. But there was no reason to shut down. There was no reason to shut down. They should have Absolutely. been. Absolutely. 
We needed the fellowship. And you know where some of the greatest churches are in Tampa? The black churches. Oh my gosh. We, I, I go to the black churches and I'm wondering, where are all the young folks? Where are all of our young black men and women? We've got these great singers. Have you been to a black church lately? Oh Holy yeah, God. yeah. Those women can sing. I'm telling you what, I get, I get goosebumps when I go to church. They, and, and, I'm, and the churches are kind of empty around here, Rick. Where is everyone? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, that's another whole, whole nother podcast we can do about that. But Christine, you I want to thank our- you. Go ahead. No, we need to get our kids back to church. Let's go. Get them in there. Yep. Hey, Christine, I want to thank you. Uh, Christine Quinn, small business owner, uh, fled California to Tampa, Florida. Uh, she's running as a congressional candidate in District 14, 2022. And to learn more about Christine Quinn, please donate. Please visit her site at votequinn2022. That's V-O-T-E-Q-U-I-N-N-2022.com. So, Christine, thank you very much for your time, and let's do another podcast soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. I I look forward to seeing you soon, too. Yep, absolutely. We'll be down in the the Florida area not too long from now. Oh, very good. Well, when you're here, I'm going to cook dinner for you over at my warehouse. You guys can come over. I'll give you a tour, and I'll cook you lunch. All right. Thank you very much. I accept that offer. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye.